Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. But this morning, we have got an incredible privilege of having the amazing Anderson family. If you do not know Brett and Shelley, they are incredible parents of two beautiful daughters, uh, Brittany and Sarah, and they are incredible people who've been married for 20 years this year. 20 years. So amazing. Yeah, well done to Shelley. This is uh, well done, Shelley. She's done so well. But um, we just thought it would be a great opportunity just to, this is a couple who are pastors in the life of the church. They are elders um, across our congregations, but they've been also a part of this church for many years. And we just thought we would, wanted to ask them a bit of their wisdom and some things that God's been placed on their hearts. But today is, in a sense, I say that word pastor, and I'm not just saying it as like a perfunctory title. These are the gifted pastors in our church. These are people who have the gift, we believe, of, of a pastor. And, uh, and we'll introduce them more and tell their story. But I want to ask you, open up your hearts. I believe God wants to speak through them into our hearts today. And I believe it's going to be words in season for you, for your family, um, as we lean into them. But uh, before I say anything else, Fee, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this amazing couple on a personal level? Yeah, I think we've known each other for about seven to eight years now. When Gabs and I joined, Brett and Shelley were originally at Tableview Life Changes. But it's just been incredible, I think, to get to know you, but to just see your steadfast faith. Um, Brett owns a business. He's an entrepreneur. He's a pioneer. I've just loved seeing him contend for the more of God in your business and your workspace and how you fight for people um, and j just your ability. I think it's a God-given gift, your ability to come up with a solution. Um, so I just love that about you, your ability to just get involved. I'm there. I'm going to make a plan no matter what the cost. And I think that counts so much when we look at the economy of God and his kingdom. Um, and just Shelly. Shelly's been an incredible friend to me over the years. I've loved just your simplicity of following Christ and his gospel. I think sometimes we can get so worked up and we're trying to figure things out and life is complicated as, as it is. But I've just seen you in and out of season, year after year, just having this steadfastness in God, this consistency of you rooted, being rooted in Christ. Um, I have the privilege on working, working on team with Shelly. Um, Shelly is the boss of Century City. If you did not know that already, she runs this ship very tightly. And I love the way that you're so intentional about seeing people walk into a space where they can feel welcome and loved and feel the love of God. So it's just such a privilege, um, just a little intro into their lives from our perspective. And uh, we want to get them talking. So I want to ask you the first question. You've been married for 20 years, but let's rewind. This, this love story that, that's put Romeo and Juliet to shame, that's uh, put uh, Leo and Kate, you know, to shame on the, the Titanic there. I, I want to find out. Rewind how a couple of decades ago, how did this love story start? Where did you meet? Was it love at first sight? I know it was for Brett, but Shelley, was it the same for you? Tell us about those early days. It wasn't the same for me. <laughs> no, um, I was, uh, I came to South Africa. I, I grew up in Australia. Shout out to Craig. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I grew up in um, Australia. I came over in 1997 after I finished school and to have a holiday. Um, some of my family are over here. And, uh, yeah, that was in 97, so my holiday has uh, gone a long, 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 long way overdue. Um, anyway, I got a job at a, a restaurant in Belito, which is in KZN. And um, at the opening night, I was managing the restaurant, and at the opening night, I met this guy. And he was the DJ in the nightclub. 
Um, <laughs> um, he was a DJ in the nightclub upstairs, and um, the thing that I, I really, um, that attracted me, not in a, like, a physical sense, but um, was his, <laughs> was his, was his sense of humor. He's got a, if you know Brett, he's got a great sense of humor. He um, makes me laugh all the time still, 20 years later. But um, yeah, it, we, were, we were friends first. Very important to be friends first. Our stories differ somewhat. <laughs> yeah, so we did. We met in 97, and uh, yeah, it was at the opening of the restaurant. But it was a year, basically... But roughly a year until, yeah, one faithful night while I was behind the decks getting the guys dancing that my wife attacked me. And I was willing. It was fine. That's where we differ. It's the way I remember it. Um, but very, very grateful to God um, just of how we started and where we are, you know. Uh, he is very, very faithful. And um, if you trust him, it's just incredible to see what he'll do. And uh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So we're trusting that that's going to continue. Yeah. Amen. And then you guys were living together. You had your first little baby girl. And then you were challenged to, to get married. So kind of, yeah, how did that conversation go? Why did you guys choose to do that? Yeah, so um, I um, had, we had our sick, uh, sorry, our first um, child, Brittany, and we weren't married and we were living together, as P said, and um, we were still living in Belito, and we got invited uh, through unsaved family to an alpha course. Um, they did it, they loved it, <laughs> and they, they're still not saved. Um, but God, God does work in amazing ways, and um, we, we uh, were never challenged in our group that we did Alpha with. Nobody challenged us on the way that we were living, and we just, we didn't need a piece of paper to determine, you know, our commitment to each other or our love for each other. We, we were fine. We were fine just the way we were, and we came to, uh, then we moved to Cape Town, and we started going to Life Changes. We were at Life Changes for about six months, and Wally, who was the lead pastor at that time, the lead elder, he came to us one day, knocked on our door, and he challenged us and just said, um, we love you guys, we, uh, we want more for you, God has more for you, you need to get married. And um, six months later, we were married. I think that those are, that's a, the beauty of the local church is we often are, we think it's often just, hey, it'll be nice and cozy and comfy, but sometimes it's challenging and actually, but it's challenging for our future. And I think maybe, maybe you can, uh, in retrospect, 20 years of marriage now and you've uh, saying yes for the first time, but then yes again, you have to say yes again and again and again. As a husband to wife, you say yes dear a lot, um, I find. Um, <laughs> but, but, but more importantly, yes to God and what God has got for us. Maybe give us 20 years. You guys have got this phenomenal marriage that, as you mentioned, rocky start, but and with many highs and lows, but in it, you'd be held to Jesus, and your love has just seemed to grow and grow. What, in over 20 years, what would you say have been some of the biggest takeaways of marriage? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, uh, Shelley and I, uh, in preparing for this, we both said the first thing on our top of our list was communication. <laughs> that is absolutely key um, in marriage, and 
And uh, one, of the, one of the main reasons why we said yes to getting married was it came from a place of where we realized people loved us and they wanted more for us. And we'd seen an example of people that, that were following Jesus that weren't perfect, that didn't have it all together, but there was something that they had. Um, and so in, in, in marriage, it's a, it's, it is a dance. It's a dance of good. It's a dance of bad. It's a, it's a dance of incredible um, moments and, and times together. And the, the biggest thing, I think, is around communication. It's about finding the things that work for the both of you. It's about preferring one another. It's, it's about doing the things you don't want to do. Because we're selfish, right? And that we are selfish. And it's, why, why, why should I do that? Why don't you just do what I want to do? And um, I think as, as the years have gone by, we, we've realized that there is massive power in preferring one another, of getting to the place where, I mean, even this morning, I, I definitely rubbed my wife the wrong way. And I realized that when you love someone, you've got to go out of your way to be better at doing the things that don't grate them, Right? And uh, a thing that really rubs my wife the wrong way is dishes in a sink, even if it's one thing. So I'll often leave one glass or one knife because I've had a snack, obviously, after 10. Um, and that frustrates my wife. And so this morning, she was doing those few little things, the salad bowl and whatnot that was in there. And I realized that actually I hadn't being the best husband to my wife. Because it might seem like an incredibly small thing, but the way I can demonstrate my love is I absolutely hate dishes. I hate them. But my wife likes a certain way in the kitchen, and I can show her I love her. That by me doing that makes a huge impact in her life. It's a stupid example, but marriage is made up of these small little things that if you get them wrong, over time the gap gets very wide. And so if you can get the small things right, preferring your wife, and it's not about me, it's always about her. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. I love that though. I've loved seeing that in your relationship over the years. And um, we all know it's very easy to fall in love, honeymoon phase, the dopamine is high. How have you guys fought to grow in love and, and stay in love over the years? Great question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, as Brett was alluding to, um, marriage is, it's, is a, it is a fight, it is a battle. Um, you know, the, the enemy does come in different ways and um, that, that where it talks about little foxes in the, in, the, um, in the Bible and you just have to be careful of those little foxes that get into your marriage and like Brett said, it makes it, uh, you know, the gap wider and wider and I think one of the things, we, um, we had a bit of a, a, a bumpy road about six or seven years, maybe eight years ago, and, um, and we decided to do a marriage course, and um, yeah, we were the least likely people to ever do a marriage course, where we were like, no, we don't need a marriage course, we have got it sorted, and the one thing that uh, we learned from that marriage course was communication. And that was our biggest, biggest thing. We just did not communicate. And I think the, the other big thing that we took away, it doesn't matter what season you're in. And I know you will know as if you have children, as parents, 
a heavy work schedule, um, you know, if, if you've got a, a demanding job, it's so easy to let those things come into your, to your life. And at one stage, we were literally just housemates. We, we had, um, Brett's job is very demanding. Um, we had two children that were still at school, and it was just... It was like ships that we were just, you know, they say ships passing in the night. And literally that's what it was. And so we, we took a, a step and we decided to do a marriage course and it literally changed our marriage. And, um, and I think the biggest thing also that we took away was just you always have to put God at the center of your, of your marriage. He, he is the center. He is the one that, you know, the, the glue that holds you together. Um, and yeah, so it was communicate. Obviously, keeping God at the center of your marriage, communication, and making time for each other. And that was a, a, also a very, very big thing. And if I can just just quickly add there, um, in Ephesians it speaks about wives submit to your husbands, and nobody ever likes that, right? Um, often the ladies don't like that. But the next verse speaks about husbands love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And if you just take that one verse, it's crazy. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. If you want to see your marriage flourish, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and watch what God does in your marriage. I love that. And I, I think what you mentioned there as well about the marriage course, it just shows me uh, humility in your hearts. And I think that's just not only in your marriage. I think it's around, as I've watched your story over the last decade, the Andersons, a word that comes to me is humility. You guys are just, and there's such a power in humility where everything in our world says, no, pretend that you know what everything's, what you're doing. But I think there's such power when we say, actually, we don't know. We need help. And I've seen you grow and grow and grow. And that, that humility towards God is an incredible thing. And I want to thank you for that, that model that you've shown us. Um, I've often said Brett and Shelley are the, the couple that are ahead of us you know, in life. They've, they've got two girls, and their girls are loving Jesus. One of them is serving in life kids as we speak. And just they both love the church still. I think that's an incredible testimony. You can, you can measure something sort of over a year, but over two decades is a greater measurement of the health in a family. And um, you've been a one-man, one-woman couple for two, two decades and a bit, but also you've been a one-church couple, which is quite phenomenal. Brett and Shelley have been a part of Life Changes for about two decades now and seen the, the, the summers, the winters, the different seasons of the church, the good moments, the tough moments. And I think it's also quite synonymous with marriage and in the church is seeing the highs and the lows. Maybe can you talk to us about uh, some of, what are some of the highlights that you've seen in those last two decades of being a part of this amazing church called Life Changes? Yeah, it's been incredible to be a part of this church since we were in the Bloberg Library and just seeing a people who have been willing to sacrifice to see the kingdom of God advance. And those are not... Um, trite words. They, it, it really is built on the backs of people who have seen Jesus and have made tough decisions. And I think that has always been the highlight, to see people that have come in, that they encounter Jesus and their lives are changed, because it's, it's so real. You, you can't fake it. You know, when people see Jesus, something happens, and there's something that's incredibly attractive about that. Um, and the highs of continually going from the Bloberg Library building the building in Tableview, going to Milnerton High School, coming to Century City. We've always been a people that are on the move because we want to see people encounter Jesus. And it just doesn't get better than that. I think the relationships, the people you meet, the, the, the things you do together define a lifetime, really. And um, we've had an unbelievable privilege of being part of this story for a long time, of being part of 
incredible touches of God of seeing people we love who were unable to have kids fall pregnant and have multiple children. You know, marriages that were absolutely decimated and gone, restored. Um, We've just seen the hand of God move on incredible, incredible things with people that have dared to trust God and stop making stupid decisions, to put it, to, to stop worrying about what they want and what they, what they want, want to do and just actually go, okay, God, what are we going to do? And you just see things happen. It's incredible. Um, I think uh, some highlights for me, it's so interesting because the highlights for me have been when I have been at my lowest in terms of um, we had a, a few uh, years that were really, really tough for both of our girls and um, we had community around us that just loved us and I mean, I remember Jeannie George coming to do communion with Sarah when she wasn't well and that for me is like that's a community that's family loving loving your family and those were really really low times for us and Brett's business we went through a really tough time with COVID but we got to experience just the blessing of God and of community and just how how loved we we are and I think that was a huge highlight for me one one of the things that I'll definitely take away and just seeing our girls grow up in, ch- in this church and be baptized in this church and serving and just having their own, finding their own way with God and having their own journey with God and their own revelation has been also an incredible highlight. I just want to commend you guys. You guys are outstanding parents. I just want to say that publicly, you guys are amazing parents. And not because you've got it all right, but every time, and uh, speaking of the humility, that we've, when you do relationships with people over a long t- period of time, you hear the, the ins and the outs, the highs and the lows, and there's been moments where I know there's, especially with your girls growing through teenage years and stuff, and, uh, and we look forward to coming to you for wisdom in those years in the future. But I, I remember just those moments where you, all you, when everything and you wanted to come down hard on them, or you wanted to say, that's it, I'm drawing the line. You just preached the gospel to them again and again. You modeled it and you lived it. And it shows that the gospel works. The good news, the undeserved kindness of Jesus works. And I wanted to say, well done, Brett and Shelley. Just that's an incredible privilege that maybe you mentioned the tough times, but how God was faithful in it. What have been some of the, the hard times that you've had to just keep saying yes to Jesus, even when everything in your flesh probably wanted to run away from church? Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I think at about also around the eight to 10 years we'd been in church, I mean, right from the time we, we stepped in the door, we put our shoulders to the plow and we served. It's just something we do as a family and it's, uh, serving is incredibly good for you. It's a culture that we speak about all the time. Um, but I think we got to a point where we were, we were literally burnt out. We were a little bit disillusioned. And a lot of that stuff was our own fault. It was our own fault. We had to take responsibility for it. And um, I, I, I think at one point, I literally hated church. I hated church. I hated people. And if you know me, those are two of my favorite things in the world. But I, I really, I couldn't. I did not want to go to church. And um, there's one thing that we stood on was that we would only move if God told us to move. And so I think that was one of the, most, one of the things I'm most grateful for in God is that we, we were at the point in our relationship with Jesus where we knew just because our noses were bent out of shape, we weren't happy with the way certain things were being done and with certain people, and we were feeling hurt and used and abused, uh, but we knew that we, we could only move if God said move. 
And I think that was one of the most valuable lessons we've ever learned. Because if we had cut and run at that stage, I don't think we would be where we are today. The blessing, the favor with our girls, with our family, with our business, with the church community, I don't think we would have been there. And, um, and, and I think that was incredibly hard to take responsibility for our own actions, our own disillusions, our own, because we had put man on a pedestal. We had, we had done all these weird things, right? And uh, we had to take responsibility for that. And we needed a time of healing. And we did that. And uh, we put our shoulders back to the plow. And, and here we are. I'm so grateful to God. I think it's a, the follow-on question would be to that, just to dive a little deep in that, because you're in church for a long period of time. Uh, the, the reality of that is that people will hurt you. People will offend you. And to, so many people then leave before they're able to find the healing, the, the grace, because people hurt me, so I'm going to jump out, jump ship, or I'm going to harden my heart. How have you navigated that, knowing that there is not, I know it's not one clean answer. This is relationships, and it's messy, and it's going back to the Word of God, and, and humility. And, but how have you kept your heart soft? when I'm pretty sure there's been many opportunities to get offended and bitter over the years, but you chose, actually, we're going to keep our hearts soft towards God. How have you done that? Yeah, Joanna, can I ask this, babe? So I think at that time we realized that um, people are people. You know yourself if you're honest with yourself. <laughs> people are people. We are a disaster from start to finish. Um, and without Jesus, we, we're even worse. And so once you settle in your heart that people are people and everybody is walking out their own individual journey, it becomes easier to take the hits because you realize that we're all broken, saved by the grace of God, covered by his blood, walking out our salvation with fear and trembling. And um, I think once we had done that, it made it easier to re-engage with people. It made it easier to continue to pursue people when they absolutely shunned you um, and to just keep trusting, keep praying, keep reaching, keep trying to, it wasn't fake. It's not a fake, hey, you know, we really want to see you. It was genuine. And I think once you realize that everybody's on their own journey, and in fact, we are only here for an audience of one. Everything we do is unto the Lord. Everything. Everything you have, every talent you have, every cent you have in the bank, everything you've achieved in your life is because He is good and gracious. That is the only reason. And when you realize that, you're like, actually, okay, I'm on for the ride, regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of what people throw at us, we're going to say, God, you forgave us. You know my deepest, darkest mess. You know what I did yesterday, what I've done today, what I'm going to do tomorrow. You still chose me. You still love me. You still call me. And so uh, that makes it easier to engage with people. I love that. So powerful. And just seeing even your journey over the years, I've loved that you've given yourself to the Word of God. Like you both have given yourself to God's word. Um, what would you say one scripture or verse, a verse of scripture has specifically shaped your life and, and why maybe? Um, for me, it's uh, Philippians 4.13 and it says, I can do all things through him who, who gives me strength. And I think um, at the beginning of my walk with God, I was, uh, I didn't really understand. I love the scripture, but I didn't really understand it. And just over the years, it's, it's not, when he says anything, it's, for me, it's, he will, he gives me the, the strength to overcome offense. He gives me the strength to overcome bitterness, shame, um, to, yeah, just to overcome all those, all those things that are not, 
jealousy, to be able to apologize, to forgive. He gives me the strength. And so that, for me, has been um, something that I've held on to, that scripture. Yeah, I think my favorite scripture, God spoke to me probably about 15 years ago. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is used at many, many weddings. And I think if you just take some time to go and read 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 8, there are three words that changed my life. We were doing a like an art outreach exhibition type thing in the early days, and we had to make like a prophetic something, right? And I, I took these three pictures of Brits um, on the couch with her big smile and her missing teeth, and um, God really spoke to me in that time, and he gave me the scripture of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It's three words. I've used it a lot here. It says, love never fails. And that is an anchor that I've, I've, I've sown into the very fiber of my being, to know that no matter what happens, no matter what people do, no matter what situation we face, God's love will never fail. In the ESV, it says, um, love never ends. Um, and if you just go and read before that, with that caveat of love never fails, it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I want to go back to the husbands. It says, love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And you take this scripture into context there, and things will change. Love never fails. Love it. Such rich deposit. Thank you. Maybe as a parting shot before we pray, um, as pastors in the story, as people of faith, but also people of reality. You're in the trenches. You know life is hard, and it's the end of one year, and everyone's taking a collective deep breath, but knowing 2023 is just a week and a bit away, and uh, sorry to burst your bubble. It's like, but, but it is. It's, life just keeps coming. What would, but God seems to be on the move here with us, amidst the mess, amidst the load shedding, amidst the, the chaos. How would you put courage, hope? What is one thing you put in us as a people, uh, as a parting shot for this year into the next year as a church? I think um, I was, uh, had a really, really good think about this yesterday. And um, the one thing that I would encourage the church, and especially this community, I call people to embrace community. And I think... Um, Whatever community you find yourselves in, I don't know if you're visiting or, or this is your community, but can I encourage you to embrace the community that you find yourself in? Um, and be one thing that radically changed my life was I, was a, a, I became a participator and not a spectator. So, um, you know, I, it looks different for everyone. I know that we talk a lot about serving, about life groups, but... We are here because um, we, we did that. We stopped being spectators and we started being participators. And when you do that, you allow God to move and be obedient to what he says, what he challenges you to do. I think some of the biggest things, the biggest wins in my life have been when I've taken a step of obedience, but also a step of faith, not really knowing what was going to happen, 
but just taking it anyway and just watch what God does. He's a, he is a kind God, and um, he calls us to be in community. He doesn't call us to be alone. So, yeah, that, was, that would be the one thing. Of so many things. But if there was one thing, let's make it two. Um, I want to encourage you to be honest. Cut through the BS. Be honest and make the tough decision. Because otherwise, it's never going to change. You can come to church. You can be a part of community. You can do all of that. And, it, and God does something. But when you're honest with God and you make the hard decision, when you cut up the credit cards, when you break that relationship, when you stop going to that circle of friends because they are not good for you, when you stop being selfish, God can break in and your life will change. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Is it hard? 100%. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? I wouldn't change anything for the world. I wouldn't change anything for the world. So be honest and make the hard decision and just watch what God does. I think it's so incredible. And uh, I, love, I love you guys to pray for us. But there's three areas I love us to pray. And, and I, again, for me, this is not us trying to land this moment and, and uh, let's pray. It's actually us receiving a gift. I believe God, this is, the, uh, this is a test me. This is 20 years. And this could never do justice of 20 years of hard decisions of yes in the small things, no in the big things, and, and trusting God along the way. But I believe as, as they pray, God can deposit faith in your heart for where you are as a gift. So I'd love you to pray for the marriages in this community. Um, and I, I love, maybe we can bow our heads right now. If you are married, why don't you hold your spouse's hand? If they're not here with you, hold your own hand and trust for them. But, and if you are single right now, why don't we pray for the marriages in this, in this community? Let's trust that, that we are trusting for God to break in and bless marriages. And, and not just with okay marriages, not just with average marriages, but actually we're trusting that actually we believe that if we obey God, that God says there's, there's faith and there's fruitfulness, there's blessing. So if you're married, why don't, you, why don't you close your eyes, hold your spouse's hand right now, and why don't you pray for them first? Father, I want to thank you for your mercy, for your grace. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Father, I pray at this time that as these husband and wives hold hands as they embrace, I thank you that they would make the hard decisions, the tough decisions. I thank you, Father, that they would sacrifice for one another. I thank you, Father, that you would break in and bring life and peace and abundance. I thank you that you are so incredibly faithful to do this. I thank you, Father, that marriage is a beautiful picture. I thank you, Father, in the garden you put Adam to sleep and you took woman from his rib. And I thank you that marriage, when we are joined together, is a perfect picture of woman coming back into Adam's rib and being created in God's image, in your very image, Father. I thank you that that is what marriage symbolizes, an image of you. And I thank you for this unbelievable privilege as a husband to hold my wife's hand. I thank you that I would love her the way Christ loved the church. I thank you that husbands here would get a real revelation of what it is to honor their wives, to love their wives. I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, that you're the one who gives us courage. You're the one who gives us strength. You're the one who makes a way. I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you because you will see it. You will have your way. It will come to fruition because you are a good God who loves us. I thank you, Father. Yeah, Father God, I just thank you for every single person here today, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they embrace 
where they are in their life, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you speak to them, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you know, just in this season, Lord Jesus, that they don't that they don't feel like they need to rush ahead, Father God, that they can be so content just being your daughter or your son, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, the husbands and the wives that you have for them, Father God. I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that as, they, um, as these uh, men and women, they are specific in their prayers, Father God. You are a, a very... Um, specific God, Father God. You, you're a God of details, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father God, for boldness for these, for these single people to be bold with you, Father God, to ask, Lord Jesus, to ask for their future husband and wives, Father God. I thank you, Father God. I thank you that um, yeah, we as a community can celebrate being single, Father God. We can celebrate just being um, content, Father God, in where we are in our season, Lord. And uh, just love them to finish praying one more prayer, if that's all right, for us. If you're in a desperate situation, maybe you're, you're desperate, and maybe nobody else knows, desperate for freedom, for breakthrough, for, for kids. Maybe you've got kids and they've gone astray, and you're like, you don't know what to do about that. You are desperate about something in your heart, a desperation. Uh, it's a, desperation is a beautiful thing. It's an opportunity for God to break in, but it's also a dangerous thing. It's a place where our flesh can break in. And I want to say in this moment, at a crucial juncture, would you choose God? Before they pray, one scripture I want to leave with us is in Luke 1 verse 45. Elizabeth says to Mary, once she's received the good news of Christ going to be born in her virgin womb, it says, Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord will do what he said. And that is the gospel. We are blessed because we believe that he will do what he says. Not blessed because we behaved Blessed because we had it all right. Blessed because we made all the right decisions. No, we were blessed because we believed. And this, I believe, is a moment for us to believe that the Lord will do what He says. You can hear all this. You can hear test me. But test me is the spirit of prophecy if we believe. We believe. And right now, can we stand to our feet? And then right now, if you're you're in a place of desperation for your own life, for your own health, for whatever, for you actually say, Jesus, I want to believe you for a 20-year story of faithfulness. I want to believe you for my kids. I want to believe you that they will come back to the Lord. That all the seed that was sown, I'll trust you. If that's you, close your eyes, lift your hands to God, not to pastors. But as you lift your hands to Him, I'm going to ask Brett and Shirley to pray prayers of faith that we'll be blessed because we believe that the Lord will do what He says. Father, I want to thank you that you are faithful and that you are true, that you are almighty. I thank you, God, when you speak, things happen. Father, your word tells us that if we cry out to you, cry out from our inner beings, we will, you will hear us and you will answer. So, Father, I pray with these hands raised in faith that their souls and hearts are yearning and crying out for you to move. I thank you, Father, that you hear our cries. You hear our cries as we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. I thank you, Father, that you meet these men and women, where they are at. I thank you, Father, that you are faithful to do it. I thank you, Lord, for eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you, Father, where we have heard and believed the incorrect thing. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray where our eyes have deceived us, the scales would fall now in the name of Jesus and we would see the King the way maker, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. We simply declare we are yours. We are yours, Father. We want to count for you. We want to count for you, Father. Help us to make the hard decisions. And I thank you for your faithfulness as you bring life, life, life in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, Father God, I... I thank you that you're a God of hope, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bring hope into hopeless situations, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're a God of salvation, Father God, that you have called us, Father God, that we are not mistakes, Lord Jesus, that we are, we are created in your image, Father God, that you created us before we were even formed in our mother's wombs, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is a purpose for every single person here, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that each of these people go to you with their hopes and their dreams, Father God. I thank you that they are honest with you, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us what we need, Father God that you give us what we need when we need it, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, just for patience, for patience, Father God. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.